to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is a question. How do you get half the country to get on board with totalitarian technocracy? One way is you hijack the culture. (laughs) And you use entertainment to spread propaganda. And SNL, they were about eight out of 10 on the propaganda meter when you watch them, about level eight. They amped it up to about a level 25 out of 10, where they're just pure propaganda for Biden administration, even a little bit for the Great Reset, basically. And I'll tell you about it. It was the first show of the year, first show since Biden had been inaugurated. And if we thought Colbert was lockstep, man, they really they really set a new standard for the game over the weekend. Here's a couple examples of the propaganda they were pushing. They're cold opening which is the one that gets watched probably the most, if I had to guess. It was the sketch where they have, it's a game where they have the host and then they have the individual characters come in. It's a crazy, wacky characters. And the sketch was called What Still Works, I think. And the idea was we're going to bring in somebody from government, ask some questions. Government doesn't work anymore. We're going to bring in somebody from the stock market, ask some questions. Stock market doesn't work. Just kind of saying that nothing works anymore in America. And The first character to come in was somebody playing Marjorie Taylor Greene and the host asked about her. So tell me about yourself. And she starts saying stuff like, well, I literally told my followers to literally murder Nancy Pelosi. Not true. She liked a post that was insinuating that's still not a good thing to do, but she did not tell her followers to literally murder her. That is a not true thing. Then she says a few other crazy conspiracies that they say she believes and they made it seem sensational. And then they kind of wrap up misrepresenting Green by having the character say, oh, and I think Jewish lasers from outer space started the California wildfires. So the anti-Semitic thing in there. And that's not true at all. But what they then did was the host character goes, so these are things you actually believe. Yes. These are things you actually believe that you actually tell your followers. Yes. You actually believe these things and you tell they just kept hammering this point home. And then so you are a real person. This stuff is all true. I mean, the type of stuff where they're really trying to emphasize, we're telling you the truth right now. And then they reemphasize it in their their news section that they do at least three times. I believe they reemphasize that she said that Jewish space lasers started the California wildfires. When you go to the articles that say this. The headlines. Oh, there's there are articles. There's multiple say, articles really that say this. It? Yeah, so they're repeating news that they saw or heard. And when you go read the articles, the headline says the same thing. But when you actually read the commentary, she never actually says Jewish laser started the wildfire. She asked questions about a project that the not the Rockefellers, the what's the other Rothschilds. group Rothschilds Rothschilds were putting on. There's a project they're putting on in the same area that involved laser satellites or something. And she was asking questions and speculating. She never said the word Jewish. She never said outer space. They completely misrepresented what she was actually saying. Now, all she was doing was asking questions. But in the minds of the audience now, they believe that she said that. 
Yeah. So I, I feel like with her, she says stuff. It's it's she's probably picking up the torch from Trump in that yeah. she will say stuff that you can totally argue with the way you say. But it's enough of like weirdness. So when I read it and I have been reading it, then I think she's a little bit of a nut. But either way, what I'm really hearing, whether it's your version or SNL versions or my version, is that she is there for a reason and that reason is going to be modeling behavior on the cusp that can be slapped down with rules that are short of the force of law but set a precedent for how people should be censored and I actually highlighted a tweet uh, uh, from her that was in the Wall Street Journal today it says this is Page A5, the headline is GOP faces pressure to reign in lawmaker. So yep. remember, like things like Brett Kavanaugh and um, nomination hearings, all that kind of stuff. Those are not laws. So when people were defending his rights, it's like he has no right. He is trying to be a Supreme Court justice. They can just say, we don't like the way he shaves and he does not get to be in it. So there's no right to any of that. And similarly, the way they do these laws, they're making it sound like it's a constitutional right to be whatever. As a matter of fact, they have more rights under the Constitution in those legislative bodies. So they they actually have a lower bar than the rest of us, but it's still a thing of modeling. It's still pressure. Mm, And the tweet that she yeah, the tweet that she said was, I had a great call with my all time favorite POTUS, President Trump, which in itself is not okay. You know, that's like, why would he be your favorite? What did he do besides just be a jerk? I mean, I'm not saying he is a jerk. I'm saying what they like about him is that he is obnoxious to people they don't like. Anyway, she said. This is what she tweeted Saturday morning. The bloodthirsty media and the socialists hate America. Democrats are attacking me now, just like they always attack President Trump. I mean, literally, she must have the same tweet writer. She's raising millions of dollars, too. So she's benefiting off of this controversy. Totally believe it. And this idea that someone like Trump or the reason I objected to her calling him her favorite POTUS is that he is a socialist. So any Republican who doesn't think that a four trillion dollar deficit in support of totalitarian technocracy and blue state lockdowns is not socialism has got another thing coming. So she is using that buzzword that as meaninglessly as he did and putting in those provocative, emotional, emotion evoking words like bloodthirsty media and that they hate America and that Democrats are attacking her. It's so divisive that and counterproductive that to me, it's not only a setup to make her own side less effective. It is also a way to draw fire and seem ridiculous and set up new bars to just saying stupid things instead of really causing damage. Yeah. And the misrepresentation by SNL and the media of that, too, people will remember her saying that just like they did with the Sarah Palin stuff. I can see Russia, even though that wasn't Sarah Palin, it was Tina Fey and the George Bush one also. I can't remember what that one was, but people will remember her. Yes, that. He didn't say that. And I honestly think that Jimmy... Carter talked somebody down from Orange Sunshine, but it was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, so this is going to be a truth in people's heads. My husband and I had to look it up. Yeah. 
neither of us could remember it. Could right. figure out was it was that Jimmy Carter? Like we had to look it up. And the idea that she literally said, "Go kill Nancy Pelosi," that she actually said that that I'm not what she did liking any tweet like that or, or post like that is terrible, and you shouldn't do that. But she didn't say that the way that SNL represented her saying that. And then they also did a bunch of sketches that were about the Capitol riots, and they misrepresented that as well. They misrepresented the My Pillow guy. They had a big. I can tell you about the Stacey Abrams one. There was a, a sketch called Blue Georgia, where the premise of this sketch was Georgia's just like Georgia's blue, just like New York. Therefore, Georgia's just like New York. And the sketch is a Southern police officer brings his New York cousin down to meet all the Southern rednecks. And it's clear that they they modeled their stereotypes of the South by my cousin Vinny, even though that was Alabama. That movie was set in. But it was all just real stereotyped and bad. But the sketch was, no, we're exactly like you. In New York, and it was the meal of the day. The Southern cooking was impossible meatloaf. The bathrooms, there was no bathrooms. There there was no male bathrooms. There was alt bathrooms. A character that came in from Florida had a MAGA hat on, and everybody turned and got real mad at him. And they surrounded him, basically. And that character says, I'm just coming from Florida. And they tell him to leave, and they go, you, you don't know what it's like here. This is Stacey Abrams' country. And the crowd goes wild. And they force that character to leave before any trouble happens. So they literally, I mean, it's modeling. It's modeling just like you said. Get out of here. This is Stacey Abrams' country. The the one thing I'm picking up on what you said is this idea of like attacking the my pillow guy in the Wall Street Journal is a big long article today. Trump donor and Alex Jones facilitated rally, and they talked about these people giving a lot of money to facilitate the January sixth rally. That Alex Jones gave fifty thousand dollars to get a sweet spot as a speaker. That's a little fishy. Our friend Ann, who was there, said that he was just doing something weird over there where people were scaling the wall and that uh, he told people to kind of move towards the Capitol, but she said it was just strange and one off and weird looking, but that's the picture you see. But what they're getting into in this article isn't going to hurt Alex Jones, but it talks about the public's supermarket heiress contributing to the rally, which remember before January 6th, that rally, we were absolutely I you told people not to go to the rally. I wasn't in support of the rally, but what we were in support of was what what we were really looking forward to was what was happening that day, which was an, an a process by which Congress would have to address the electoral certifications. We, of all the noise and all the smoke and mirrors, there was a process happening that day that everyone, especially the vast majority of people, maybe everyone except the agents provocateur at that rally, were there to support peacefully, patiently, and with energy. They were there for the process, not to stop it, which is what these people did, but they're actually doxing this chick for having supported that and she's trying to distance but what can you do yeah and another theme that also rolls in with the capital riots that they demonized on snl was crazy christian types i think we're these crazy christian types in georgia we're not like that so that was also how they represented georgia and what so that they talked about stacy abrams there but didn't wasn't she in the news for something else as well. It just broke that she was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. 
Voting rights activist and Democrat Party politician Stacey Abrams nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for her work to promote nonviolent change via the ballot box. And I will go ahead and point out that when Stacey Abrams was at Spelman College, she founded a group <laughs> that used violent tactics during the Rodney King riots, a group that helped Besides, destroy the local community. Her thing is not to promote nonviolent change through the ballot box. Her, her idea is to reform the way voting happens happens because to put it in her sense black people are um their votes are suppressed or attempted to be suppressed has nothing to do with the results of voting yeah she has always seemingly been okay with violence like i said the group she started in college actually trained people how to fight the when the people shouted down her opponent in 2017 she didn't condemn anybody she didn't condemn riots over the summer yet she's winning this thing for promoting nonviolent action it's backwards world it's upside down <laughs> totally opposite day and Black Lives Matter also got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. So I imagine the Capitol rioters will get nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize as well, seeming as they also <laughs> rioted. Well, that's kind of funny because I noticed that there was more there were more stories about the Navalny protests in in Russia. So this oh, yeah. guy, Navalny right. was supposedly an opponent of of Putin's. The, he, there was a ridiculous story of, of Putin trying to assassinate him by having him followed by 10 toxin agents, poison agents, whatever, for three years. And their brilliant plan, which they executed so yeah. poorly <laughs> that he's back and stronger than ever, was to put radioactive material in his underwear. Like It's like out of a Batman thing. Where it's, it's like, we're yeah. just going to leave you tied up with this pendulum swinging and hope you die. See you later. I could just shoot you. But then the series would end. So that's right. what he did. So anyway, so they're in. So these guys are protesting now. And of course, the Wall Street Journal and ever you know all the all the media outlets act like these protesters are these big heroes like yeah. absolutely without digging into what's going on over there then and, and the things that they are talking about is really funny when you juxtapose it side by side with what 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 happened with our quote patriots on January 6th even the official narrative of those people it says that the Navalny protests are for um, falling living standards and shrinking political freedoms. Now, falling living standards is not something you can protest if the re if it's from, say, a pandemic. But what you could protest is the policies that are implementing falling living standards, which we have. Shrinking political freedoms, which we have. These are two things that got people galvanized to the Capitol. The um, another protester was quoted as saying, you know, I, just, I wasn't going to uh, a protest, but it's out of control. This whole system that was created under Putin, of course, it was really Clinton and uh, Yeltsin, um, Boris Yeltsin who started this. The whole system created under Putin favors a small, well-heeled elite, stifles change through corruption, a skewed court system, and rigged elections. Like, that's hilarious because our system is screwed up by a well-heeled elite, corruption, a skewed court system, and rigged elections. It also had police diminishing de demonstrators by calling them trash 
and traitors. It says since the protests last weekend, Russian authorities have increased pressure on protest leaders. All of this stuff could have come right out of our own newspaper. And just to put it on top of the whole, put a cherry on top, our Secretary of State, Blinken, renewed calls for Russia to release detained prisoners for exercising their human rights. I would like to call upon the FBI that has been looking through Facebook posts and trying to arrest people or visiting their house like our friend and patron who had local cops and the FBI come to her house just for going to the January 6th thing. I've got more on that regarding how Facebook is being used in that way uh, in a way similar to like red flag laws. They have this thing called break the glass, but we can I'll take a breath. And yeah, I want to go back and sum up the SNL, Stacey Abrams stuff. Reliable sources this weekend put a major theme out that we saw through all the television stuff, SNL, everything that we're seeing in the news right now. And it's this. There's no longer even the illusion of doing real journalism. Not that there really was before, but now they're being very open about it. And they talked about it on reliable sources like this. And they said that they need to what, what the media on the left, the job of the media on the left now is to consolidate a political identity for those on the left. And what they mean is that there's those who are committed to the far left progressive values. There's those who who are Democrats, but feel they need to kind of be antagonistic towards it. And then there, there's those that go back and forth. But what the job is, is to consolidate and pull all of them over to the left so that they can continue to pressure certain politicians and certain businesses to get what they want. This is not reporting. This is openly advocating the use of propaganda in media. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point, it seems like to me, that you're not just uh, propagandizing people. It's what we used to call. So we, we've always talked about manufacturing consent. Um, you know, the Noam Chomsky thing, whatever. But I had coined the phrase manufacturing advocacy. So it's beyond like that, that whole, it kind of dovetails with the whole, if you're, my kid told me this once, uh, someone said to him, if you're not a feminist, you're a misogynist. If you're not an anti-racist, you're a racist. I feel like propaganda of this, it's not just propaganda and it's not just propaganda of the deed. It's requiring that you also spout propaganda or commit propaganda of the deed with that, with that knee and everything like that. the point and it's always been true with the comedy stuff that that you have to act like you like it you have to act like it's good even if it's not funny and i do criticize harlan for that towards the end like he didn't even try to be funny he just uses bully pulpit to say what he had to say but it gets it's got was the snl funny at all no was it clever no no it was terrible not even funny anymore it reminded me of the Will Ferrell sketch of him folding up on himself. It was like collectively they were doing that and just <laughs> filating themselves. It was embarrassing to watch. The Myanmar, did you see this? The Myanmar? Myanmar. 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 Military coup. I actually knew someone there from there who was called Myanmar. <laughs> well, that's, that's a much, that sounds Myanmar. much more um, art, was, articulate way to say it. Half British, half Myanmar. They this coup, this is all I know about it, is it's a military coup. There was a female democratically elected leader, military conducted a coup. And the reason is because they believe there was election fraud and 
they didn't win. They think it was stolen, which sounds a lot like what people over here are arguing when you connect that to how they're saying military people were involved in the Capitol 6 thing. I think that this is being featured in the news to kind of show, well, it happened there. What if it happens here? So they can amp up calls for domestic terrorism legislation and to target those groups of people. I think there's a lot to that. The the idea that they show us these stories from around the world because they they there was very little press of the Bolivia coup. Do you yeah. know anything about the No, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, not one thing. But it was major. This guy was absolutely democratically elected guy. He was totally pushed out clearly from a US led coup. He's on the run and and it's it is totally successful and anyone who pays attention to it knows it is crystal clear we we weren't even giving it don't even paint a legitimate narrative on top of it. It's just like we don't care. Myanmar front page of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. I noticed a couple of things that have happened recently. We had we had a a patron who said, what the heck? I somehow got taken down from Facebook. So did my partner. We did have a strike, but we were back in action. And now I can't even get like the baby pictures that I have up there. And my partner tried to get back in. They said, if you upload your driver's license information, you can uh, be you can get your stuff back. And he said, so his friend did it and they didn't get the stuff back. Then we were talking to Garland over the weekend and people wanted to know about how voter GA's Twitter feed got taken down. He said he was literally reporting on the latest development in a court case in Georgia. Yeah. And I, and I actually highlighted his last, the last tweet that he tweeted before he got taken down and he was suspended. He said they offered him the right to uh, put in his telephone number and other personal information in order to potentially get restored, but he refused to do it. And he thinks he's going to move off of Facebook and Twitter. I'm going to try to get him and ourselves on Mastodon. Uh, So maybe we can start a movement. But I noticed that. So now there's, there's this higher level of data. So that's not... That's the opposite of commoditized, anonymous, marketing-specific data, right? Yeah. So they don't need your driver's license or your phone number to know how to target ads at you. They, they base it on online behavior, which is more than sufficient to let people know who, what you want, what you want to buy, or even what your habits are, whatever the data is used for. It's uh, anonymous is kind of what you would expect. Now they're having you voluntarily but under coercion, put your information in. And that's part of the Great Reset. That's one of their major themes is gathering as much data as possible. And Biden also signed that executive order on the data as well. Yeah, I know the data thing is a big thing. But so there was a big uh, article in the journal today about what about the, uh, the Facebook crackdown saying we need to stop conversations from happening and growing as quickly as they do in the groups that they had been highlighting. And and my thought was, if you they need to stop conversations from happening and growing. Uh, and and some of the specifics was um, they were talking about, is it stop the steal or women for America first? It, they questioned the vote. They organized protests and they facilitated the January 6th. It said riots. Of course, it was just a rally. <laughs> yeah. And and what they're talking. My question is. You know, if if there are just so many people, they are overwhelmed with all these nutcases doing crazy things. 
why, you know, can we just take a step back and ask why are people driven to this point? Or if this is the natural state of people, why did it just come out of nowhere? That's a question. Oh, but if it is, then you need to stop pretending like you're pro-democracy because obviously there's such a huge number of people that are such complete animals that we have an incredibly tight election. So if if people are such absolute effing animals that 75 million people will vote for fascism, then you can't have democracy, right? I mean, you just can't have it. So they have got to stop telling a story that is inconsistent with what they claim to be their basic principles. And because they have to rely on the idea that January 6th was a riot when it wasn't, they're clearly crafting a narrative in order to support an agenda that does not follow from the facts because those facts are not real. So they've got an agenda and that agenda is clearly complete control over the public square of political ideas. It's a, it's just, it's the fascist privatization of the first amendment. Right. That's why they tell the story that's inconsistent with their agenda and their values, because they wouldn't be able to get people to help them achieve it if they were upfront about what it was. So they have to mask it behind democracy an illusion of democracy anyway. True that. So on to a little, uh, oh, are we out of time? No. Um, let's, let's see. We have a, a lot of COVID stuff to hit. Let's do that. But first, uh, I want to do a couple of housekeeping things. One, let's tell people what we've got teed up in the patron 15. I think, I want to uh, hear your GameStop stuff in the in the free thirty though. Don't didn't you yeah, I think it's probably the, better yeah. in there. Yeah. All right, so let's get to that. Um, and in the patient stuff, I have a ton of COVID stuff, especially what's happening out here and an unexpected hiccup on the vaccine rollout. Maybe we'll get to some stuff um before the end of the show, but the patron fifteen, we can definitely do that stuff. Some Biden fact checking. I'm pretty excited to hear you on that. <laughs> and but one one thing. I wanted to do is we're kind of changing it up a little bit. We are not going to uh, do a lot of like commercial ads. We are continuing to rely primarily because the reality is the people who have supported us, there's basically two ways we get support. One is we have listeners, fans, friends who sponsor us, who promote their products, but really they're here because they, their synergies with us and they want to support our show. So you all know our friends at Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia. So many of our listeners are in Georgia. They've had the unique experience of going to Neighbors. We've had a meetup there. We're going to do that again. We, we can, uh, we kind of want to help. Like, it's very synergistic for us because I, for one, I know you know this is true too, Binkley. Liberty, we're not going to get liberty by trying to exercise our bill of rights. They're, they're pulling those apart one by one. One way you're absolutely going to get liberty is if you seize it for yourself in your own life. And the number one way to do that is to be able to sustain yourself and not be dependent on the system. And that's where Neighbors Feed and Seed comes in. So 
Yeah, Bill messaged me, actually. He said that he's getting a lot of people from uh, Propaganda Report calling looking for organic heirloom seed. And he says they're not on the website right now, but if they wanted to call him, call neighbors personally or email the shop, that he'll hook them up. Wow, that's great, because I know he was having shortages. That's why I encourage people who are local to go in to see him, because he's got uh, he's been overwhelmed. And of course, he's got great quality products and that personal service. So I think people should neighborsfeedandseed.com. Yeah. So check them out and support them. They support us. The other way we get the support that we need, because at this point, what we're doing here is a full-time job. Binkley and I both are just, it's a full-time job each. <laughs> so in order to allow us to contribute to our households and continue to spend our time this way, we give a lot of stuff away free. We do about, we do a minimum of, I would say, 30 hours of content a month. And a lot of that is free, but some of it is premium. If you go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, you can support us there. It's $7 a month for all of our content. So you get all the extra content, bonus content, interviews, patron only Q&A, community access for $7. For the more premium tiers are for extra stuff, the fun stuff, the disappearing patron party, the live Zoom parties where everybody gets together. But those stuff are a little smaller, more intimate. So choose your tier there. But if you just want the content and all of it without ever hearing commercials like like this one, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and get all that. And we also have Rockfin videos, which for 10 bucks a month, it is the highest quality stuff where you get the powers that be in their own words, the videos they make, Binkley finds them all like the day they drop half the time. Plus you get all of the content from everybody else at Rockfin. So these are ways you can support us. And if you can, if it's not the time for you, if you don't need the extra content, completely fine. Don't worry about it. You want to make a donation to us, that would be awesome. You can email us at the Propaganda Report podcast at gmail.com. But what you could really do right now, either on your favorite podcasting platform or if you've already done it there, go to another one, leave us a review. And while we're still on these platforms, which isn't going to last forever, the best way that we increase our reach, and of course, that's why we are here, is to get the word out, is the more reviews we get, the more five-star reviews we get, the more our show, believe it or not, does get recommended to people, even with its controversial content. So with that, let us get on with our biggest story of the day. I'm sure everybody is aware of the GameStop story that was going on over the weekend. And there was also some cryptocurrency related stories where people try to do similar things to short the crypto market or send a bunch of people to buy a bunch of crypto to jack the price up. And one of the coins they did that with is called doggy coin it's uh it's a meme coin and it's really cheap the price of it is and it became at one point over the weekend the most mentioned cryptocurrency on twitter in a 24-hour period ever beating out a couple of 24-hour periods where bitcoin was mentioned and it shot up over a thousand percent went from 0.007 cents to Eight cents. So it went up pretty high. So people that actually bought, people were buying thousands and thousands of dollars of this cryptocurrency and then dropping it once it got high. But what happened it was because I, I wanted to see how it works. So I got in on it and I bought a little bit of it. And what you have to do is you have to sign up for these cryptocurrency sites and to get, you have to get verified. 
And because so many people were trying to get involved in this to try and make a quick buck or be part of whatever this movement is, it jammed up the websites and the verification process slowed down. So people weren't able to get signed up as quickly. But some of the apps where you could do it faster, like an app called Voyager, you could sign up for it, buy the crypto. And then the app went down for a day. So you buy the crypto, like I bought it at a certain price. I watched the price go almost double what I bought it at, but I couldn't sell it because the app was down. And so the app's down and I'm watching the price drop to below to half of what I bought it at. Then the app comes back up. So it took away people's ability to sit. Now, I didn't put much money in, but people who put a lot of money in, they had a lot of problems. You could read in the comments. And that got me thinking this is going to be a, a reason for them to crack down uh, on crypto because it seems like they're trying to do it anyway through, through the apps. And then I started doing some research on it. And in India, Bitcoin could be banned because of this crackdown they're doing on cryptocurrencies. A legislative agenda by the government of India is thinking about banning cryptocurrencies in 2021. They want to prohibit all cryptocurrencies, according to a bulletin. They initially said private before they had to acknowledge that cryptocurrencies aren't private, but they're trying to make it impossible to buy, not even legislate. They want to ban it altogether. And they have an Office of Cryptocurrency and Regulation of Official Digital Currency Bill. So they want to create a digital currency it's going to be issued exactly by Digital what, Reserve Bank of India. That's exactly, yeah. I mean, I think when we were talking in the Zoom party yesterday, which was great, we had a couple of people on there who, uh, Mr. P and Mr. B, who really helped us understand what was going on. I mean, it's just so great to have experts. I think the next time I want to have some agorist guys. But we were saying that they, that, or I thought anyway, I've always thought that the Bitcoin thing, which I don't understand clearly people who understand it. It's got absolute meat on those bones, no question whatsoever. But I always thought it wasn't as much of a, a triumph of libertarianism or liberty over fiat as you might think, because what it is actually for sure doing is getting people, a lot, a lot of people to transition to the world of digital currency. And then that yeah. in turn will be a transition to digi dollars, the Fed, yeah. which won't be the same as Bitcoin. Bitcoin because Bitcoin is finite. You cannot overmine it from what I understand. That's about all I understand. But there's no chance that the digi dollars aren't going to be as fiat as dollar dollars. They're going yeah. to create more. It's not going to be Absolutely. Finite. They put out the guidelines for developing this national digital currency, which would be put out by their reserve bank. So, yeah, yeah they can do the, the same thing. The, the International Monetary Fund had a blog post a while back saying that the way it would work, and I've mentioned this many times because it is the critical factor, is that over time, your greenbacks, your physical currency would have a an exchange rate that diminishes. So day one, you can trade in all your dollars for digi dollars for dollar dollar. But over time, it's going to go down in value. So after one year, you would only get a 90 cents of digi dollars. And this will just transition people away from holding greenbacks. They just will. Unless I don't know if silver certificates will still have any value. I'm not sure if that works. I've heard that in Russia, they still have billions, if not trillions of physical, it has to be billions, I guess, of physical dollars, because there's only, I think, two trillion physical dollars in the world, but that they actually still have billions of dollars that people had held for like uh, 
you know, since the 50s or before as a store of value for themselves, that they they would never transition to rubles or whatever when that thing started tanking. But um, but of course, the main thing is going to be social control and surveillance in that they can lock your digital wallet if you don't. Yeah. If you've committed a quote like a thought crime or a digital crime. And then they also have total surveillance. So you can't have the gray market. That's what agorism, mm. agorism is all about. And this is ways to stand in our way. We're literally, I mean, I guess you can trade eggs for avocados, but you're not going to be able to trade bucks, you know, dollars for it. You're not going to be able to have tax-free transactions unless you're literally bartering, which really cuts out a lot of the flexibility in any kind of gray market. Yeah, they want control over anything that they don't have full control over. I think that wraps it up for today. Unless you have anything else? Uh, well, I have a few shout outs. I did. I feel like I have. We have had such great patrons over the year, years. We've, we've been doing this for about a year yeah. and a half. Yeah. And we've always had great patrons even before then. But it really took off when we started doing The Daily Show. I think people appreciate the effort. They support way more than just what it would cost to... Um, to just subscribe for the extra content. So a few shout outs to those folks, Jason, Rob, Franny, Matthew, and Justin, who is a patron that you know and love under a different name. But I just want to shout out those folks and say thank you very much. Also, we continue to get calls from regular listeners. They want to hear more patron shout outs. So if you are a patron, message me. If you're a patron saint, message me and, uh, and I'll, I'll put the, I'll start the shout outs again tomorrow. Fantastic. And you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. You can also find our deep dive podcast on rockfin.com, our video podcast. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. And we'll talk to you in the patient 15.